Welcome back to the Community Christian Church Podcast and Merry Christmas. This week we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson for a special Christmas Eve message in our series Making Room in Advent. Community is one church in four expressions meeting online, in person, and in small groups around the globe. Learn more and plan your visit at communitychristian.org. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Merry Christmas, community. I'll tell you, do me a favor and drop in the chat a Merry Christmas and tell us where you're joining from. Maybe it's like Merry Christmas from Chicago or Merry Christmas from Plainfield or Seattle or Uganda, wherever you're from. Uh, For me, it's Merry Christmas from our COTV studios in Naperville. Now, my guess is what you just heard, Betty Dickinson's telling of Luke 2 is probably not the first time you've heard the Christmas story. I mean, for many of us, these words have a familiar ring to them. You've heard them yourself, you've read them in church, or you listen to Linus recite them on a Charlie Brown Christmas special. They are familiar. And for some of us, those familiar words bring to mind happy Christmas occasions, ripping wrapping paper off gifts, drinking hot cocoa with friends, singing Christmas carols together. And for others, Those familiar words remind us of harder things. The fatigue of unmet expectations. The financial challenges that keep us from providing the Christmas we want. The faces no longer present on Christmas Day. No matter what memories or emotions the words of the Christmas story conjure up, it can be easy with all the familiarity to miss how that first Christmas was absolutely shocking. Shocking. 
And before we're done on this Christmas Eve, I want to share with you three shocking truths about the first Christmas. That first shocking truth is this. Christmas means that God came down. God came down. Now, now think about that for just a second. What Christmas is all about is that the maker, creator of all things, all life, the great, glorious, majestic, and holy God himself chose to come down and enter into this mess of humanity. He came to be with us, to be near us. And if you really grapple with this, it almost doesn't make sense. Why would someone so big, so powerful, so pure choose to become one of us? Something so small and weak and frail. I mean, what would motivate God to do something so shocking as to come down and become one of us? Uh, I recently heard a story that took place in the middle of the COVID lockdown. Ironically, it was about a woman named Mary and Mary's husband, Steve, who'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven years before, was living in a senior care facility. Every single day, Mary would go and visit her husband, Steve. Every single night, Mary would be there and help Steve get ready for bed. Well, then came the pandemic. And with it, the COVID-19 lockdown was put in place. The senior care facility restricted all visitors, including family members like Mary. You probably remember some of the photos of family members standing outside, peeking through windows into a facility where a loved one was staying all alone. Well, that was Mary. As the lockdown went on, Mary grew more and more concerned about the isolation and loneliness her husband Steve had to be feeling. And those days turned into weeks, and those weeks turned into months. And just when Mary's desperation to see her husband reached its peak, she found out about a job opening as a dishwasher at the senior care facility. Now, I'm not sure anyone who has plans of retirement dreams of an opportunity to wash dishes for eight hours a day. But for Mary, this job was an answer to her prayer. Not because she needed the money, but because to her, washing dishes was a small price to pay to be able to enter the facility where she could hold Steve's hand every day. And that's exactly what Mary did. And that's exactly what God did. And it's love like that, which explains why God came down. God was so compelled, so motivated by his love for you, so desperate to be with you, that he took the job of entering into this mess of humanity on that very first Christmas. Author Ann Voskamp, she explains it this way. God throws open the door of this world and enters as a baby, as the most vulnerable imaginable, because he wants unimaginable intimacy with you. What religion ever had a God that wanted such intimacy with us that he came with such vulnerability to us? What God ever came so tender that we could touch, so fragile that we could break him, so vulnerable that his bare beating heart could be hurt? Only the one who loves you to death. It is shocking, absolutely shocking. And as if God coming down isn't shocking enough, there's something even more shocking. Let me ask you this. If you had some big news, I mean really big news you wanted to share, you wanted to get it out there, you wanted it to be told, who would you share it with? 
Maybe you're on Twitter. I, I got on Twitter early, real early. And some of you might be thinking, oh, Twitter, Twitter. I would tweet about it and I'd try to get Justin Bieber to retweet it to his 113 million followers. That's how I'd get it out there. Or maybe, maybe you're on Instagram and you might disagree and say, no, 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 I definitely choose Instagram over Twitter. And if you're an Insta person, you might think, hey, let's recruit Lionel Messi, the Argentine World Cup champion. He'll share it with his 399 million followers. He could definitely help you get the news out there. Or maybe you're going, no, 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 let's be more relevant. Let's just go with TikTok. That's the way to get the message out there. Let's recruit Charlie D'Amelio, the 18-year-old influencer who has 149 million followers. Well, this, of course, is exactly not what God did with the big news he had to share. In fact, God did the opposite. What God did to announce the, the good news of Jesus with birth is more c- comparable to like uh, using your Aunt Susie's MySpace account, who last posted in 2004 to her three followers. Did you know MySpace is still a thing? It is. And if you think about how God shared this good news, it's shocking. When God had the biggest news of all time, he didn't seek out kings or queens or influencers or soccer stars. No, God went to the fields outside of Bethlehem, a little rural village that probably didn't show up on the map of Israel, let alone Rome. He went there and told just a handful of shepherds. And here's why it's shocking. In the first century Judea, shepherds were at the very bottom of society's power and privilege scale. Being a shepherd wasn't easy. It involved long hours, started early in the morning, went late into the night. But here's the deal. Shepherds, I mean, they had a terrible reputation. They were thought of as ill-mannered, uneducated brawlers who lived on the edge of society. In fact, shepherds were not even allowed inside the temple for worship. It's like they, they couldn't come to church because they worked so closely with animals, they smelled bad, and it left them ceremonially unclean. But I want you to get this. That is exactly who God chose to share the good news with first. Those folks, shepherds. I mean, it was shocking. See, God not only comes down, but God became accessible. God became accessible to every one of us. All, all of us. Author and justice advocate Daniel Strickland explains it this way. The fact that God sent a whole host of angels to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus tells us God goes out of his way to get in the way of those most excluded. I love that. That's such good news for people like you and me. Because in the shepherd's story, what we discover is that God actually includes the excluded. He invites the uninvited. This is who God is. And maybe you know what it's like to be excluded. Like the shepherds, there have been times when you're treated like a nobody in a culture that puts such high value on beauty and wealth and power. Maybe you felt excluded by religious types. You felt judged by them, condemned by them. Maybe you've Maybe you've even excluded yourself thinking, you know what, there's, there's just no way. There's no way that God would ever actually be interested in a person like me. And in this Christmas, I want to remind you that God goes out of his way to get in the way of those most excluded. Are you starting to see why this Christmas story was so shocking? Because God, again, let me say it again, God himself came down. God 
God himself became accessible. Yet perhaps what is most shocking of all is how on this one day, everything about the world started to transform. Everything. And that can include us. Because Christmas means that God brought transformation. You see, here's what happened. After listening to Jesus teach and watching how Jesus lived, people started following him. And their lives were transformed because they started doing what he did and living like he lived. And so they also started including the excluded. They also began to invite in the uninvited. And so like him, they started transforming every place they went. For example, in the ancient world, children weren't valued. They were often pushed to the side and ignored. And in particular, baby girls. It would not be uncommon that if a Roman family had a baby girl, not a boy, rather than keep the baby girl, they'd abandon the baby girl in the forest to die. Yet Jesus comes along and he says, no, 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 let the children come to me. And Jesus' treatment of and teaching about children led his followers to value children in a way that transformed society. These Christians would actually go into the forest, bring back these baby girls into their home, care for them, and adopt them into their families. These same Christians later went on to establish the first orphanages to care for children in need. That was with children. How about education? In the ancient world, education was highly prized, but was only reserved for the elite. So Jesus comes along, this rabbi, and he invites ordinary fishermen, tax collectors, and yes, even women to sit at his feet and learn. Jesus' belief that every person was made in the image of God, it fueled his followers to work for universal literacy. And so years later, universities such as Cambridge, Oxford, and Harvard all began as Jesus-inspired efforts to love God with all of one's mind. So not just children, not just education. In the ancient world, the sick, the sick were often discarded and left on the outskirts of town so they wouldn't get the disease, let them die. But Jesus demonstrated compassion. He healed the blind. He healed the paralyzed. He healed those with leprosy. And so his followers learned from him and they established institutions for lepers, the beginning of the modern day hospitals. And maybe you've noticed, that's why even today hospitals have names, many of them like Good Samaritan, Holy Cross, Mount Sinai. They were the world's first places of healing. And, and as a whole, in the ancient world, virtue meant this. Virtue meant rewarding your friends, punishing your enemies. That's what it used to mean. Rewarding your friends, punish your enemies. But then Jesus comes along. He says, no, no, no. You love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you. He, he modeled this brand new way of reconciliation. And he called his followers to be people of peace and to bring hope and healing to everyone. Author John Ortberg writes, Jesus consistently championed the excluded. His inclusion of women led to a community to which women flocked in disproportionate numbers. Slaves, up to a third of the ancient populations, might wander into church fellowships and have a slave owner wash their feet rather than beat them. One ancient text instructed bishops to not interrupt worship to greet a wealthy attender, but to sit on the floor to welcome the poor. It's all shocking. And yet for all the amazing, shocking ways the life and teachings of Jesus transformed the world, perhaps the most shocking of all 
is how Jesus can transform a single human heart. So let me just say, whoever you are, included or excluded, can't get a break or you got every break. This Christmas reveals these shocking truths. God came down for you. God became accessible to you. God brought transformation for you. Here's community attender Joey Ossie to share a little bit about how Jesus transformed his life. My name is Joey Ossie. I've been coming to community for two years this month. I was running down my street, turning up my driveway, and my right knee just felt like it blew up. Knee swelled up big time, and that was my first introduction to prescription pain medication. At that point in my life, I was in full throttle adulting. Stress was high, and it didn't just take away the physical pain. It took away the pain behind, you know, between my ears that I didn't even know was really there. My wife was gone for a, a weekend, and I remember thinking to myself, I have to come clean. I got to tell her I'm struggling with this. So she came home, I sat her down, and I said, hey, I'm struggling with the pain medication, and, and, and I need to come clean. She's like, what do we need to do to, to get this under control? I went to rehab first time with the best intentions. It was an, it was a outpatient nighttime program. Got 100 days sober and relapsed. Fast forward, I, I did something very similar again. Um, went back to rehab, came out with a little over 100 days sober as well. Ran into my prescription pill dealer at the gas station. I thought I was broken, defective, different than everyone else. And um, this is just how it's going to end. My life was good to start, and this is how it ended. You know, there's a lot of averages. It wasn't long after the day after Thanksgiving where, where Heather kicked me out of the house. She had had enough. And um, we, we did wind up, you know, going through a divorce. And as painful and difficult as it is and was, um, she gave me a lot of chances. But she got my attention enough to make me realize, if you don't stop, you're going to die. I moved with my parents. It's COVID. My mom's doing community online. And I was captivated, completely captivated. The first time I sat behind that drum set, you hear Yellow Box. And I had been so blessed to be on stages across the country from little small venues to House of Blues to arenas. It was my dream. But nothing compared to that feeling of sitting behind that drum set at Yellow Box and seeing that place from that perspective. Every time I've wanted to give up, again, I think about that feeling I had when I sat behind the drums. And I saw something I'd never seen before and felt something I never felt before. It takes a certain threshold of pain for you to realize I can't do this anymore. And the first step is surrender. And you have to surrender everything. During my baptism, it just felt like a fresh start. And the transformation was incrementally slow, but I felt like there was a, a line drawn in sand. And now this was my chance to transform into God, the guy that I wanted to be the man that God created me to be, and to use all of those wonderful gifts and things I'm so blessed to have. He's building me into a bigger, better, healthy, stronger vessel to help other people. He doesn't need overcomplicated. He doesn't need anything else. He just, he just wants your heart.
Maybe you joined us expecting just another familiar Christmas. You'd hear the Christmas story, you'd sing some Christmas carols, and get a little bit of Christmas spirit. But what if this Christmas is for you what it was for others on that first Christmas? Absolutely shocking. And you realize personally these shocking truths. God came down for me. That God became accessible to me. That God brought transformation for me. You see, that's why our mission here at Community is to help people find their way back to God. We'd love to help you discover the shocking ways that God can transform your life. And we'd love to invite you to join us on this mission of transforming the world around us. So on this night, we celebrate the shocking truths that on a silent night 2,000 years ago, God came down, God became accessible, and God came to transform me and you and our world.
We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take your next steps in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call you plus. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.